if it's not a clear yes, then it's a clear no. And the reason that's true, or should be, is because... joining us on the essential podcast excited to talk today about some books that we're reading you probably need a name for this segment matt i don't know what do you want to call it essential reading sure i like it i like it yeah so i like to read it's something i've kind of grown into and as you know there are probably lots of benefits to reading but for me it's been just a way to obviously improve but to to accomplish some things so i really enjoy it i do to be fair, full disclosure here, do a lot of audiobooks, and I uh, had some time on the road recently. I usually will combine physical reading either on a Kindle or physical book with the audio, or if I listen to the audio and I like it, I will buy the physical book and then reread it. So I've got uh, three books that just recently completed in a short period of time, and they all complement each other very nicely. I haven't read any of those books, Tommy, but before we kind of move into that, What's the app you're using to listen to the books while you're on the road? Yeah, great question. I use Audible and uh, actually a subscriber to their Silver Plan, which is less popular or publicized. It is an every other month credit, and you use that credit to buy an audiobook. But as a member of Audible, you can return the book if you don't like it or you know, bought it by mistake and get your credit back, which is a really cool feature. I've done that a few times, get that credit every other month, and... Yeah, you can always go to Gold, which is a credit every month, and you can buy extra credits. But really like Audible. They're owned by Amazon, so it syncs with your Kindle and stuff too. And I think you can, because my sister-in-law does this a lot, because she drives 30 minutes back and forth every day. Um, can't you adjust the speed too, so you can kind of go through a book faster? Yep, I do that too. I, I usually listen to it at one and a half times and sometimes even a little higher two has always been a little too much uh two times speed but you know, one and a quarter one and a half still easy to understand and gets you through it a little faster a little life hack there for you that's a good one awesome so it keep keeps your time essential right there you go let's see how should we do this this is the first time we've done this episode what's the first book uh, we'll start with what is it about, and then I'll try and ask you some questions. Yeah, that'll be fine. It's kind of a lot to talk about three, and that's probably a little unusual. It sounds superhuman here, but that happens to be where we are now and made us want to talk about it on the show. So the first book I actually read initially before the new year, so it was around the holidays, and actually ended up getting a physical copy of it for Christmas from my wife and have just recently reread the physical copy. And it is called Atomic Habits. It's by James Clear. And Matt, I actually sent you a copy of this. <laughs> you did. And, and clearly I don't have the habits to read the books yet. Yeah, there you go. So it says, Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results. And then the subtitle is, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. So there's a lot of material out there on this. There's another book called The Power of Habit that's pretty popular, Charles Duhigg. And this is kind of an elaboration, and his intent was for this to kind of be the final authority on it. So really cool. I think the big takeaway for me from this book was twofold. One, it was learning all these cues for habits and how to be aware of them. It was pretty enlightening. But the other was that just a small percent change, you know, 1% better every day adds up to a big change 
but also it works against you. You know, 1% change that's negative, maybe a bad choice for a diet or financially or whatever may not make a big difference in the short term, but adds up over a long period of time. Well, the interesting thing about that, Tommy, is uh, I think I talked about it on the Essential Health podcast. Going back to that small change or that one little habit, if you eat 10 calories over your daily calorie intake over the course of a year, that 10 calories equals one full pound Mm. magnified by 10 years. Now, the interesting part that really clicked for me was 10 calories. That's like one potato chip. (laughs) So one potato chip can derail a whole year. Mm. That's true. And that's, that's the philosophy here. It's the same with habits, whether it's what you're putting in your body or what you're doing with your money, how you're waking up. So being aware of that allows you to maintain the long view. And I think the thing that resonated with me at the very beginning of this book was how setting a goal is not what leads to success or achieving that goal. Maybe every athlete has the goal of being the best, or we all have these goals and majority of people don't achieve them. And it's because they don't have a system or as we would say, a process to achieve that goal. You have to focus on the daily activities, have a, it's not a to-do list, it's a checklist. What are these things that have to be accomplished and check them off to achieve this goal? So developing a system, developing a process, you know, you have to work backwards from a goal to do that. And that's what we do here with our process or financial independence and work optional lifestyle, all that stuff we talk about on the other shows. We won't get into that here. But that really was a cool parallel for me and it applies a lot to your personal life, but it can go any direction. Well, you know what they say, Tommy, small hinges swing big doors, right? So mm-hmm. these small incremental changes that lead to big results. Yep. Yeah, it's a great book. I would check it out, which is why I gave it to you. So maybe you'll read it. You can tell me. You can, maybe you can tell the listeners <laughs> might, about it on a future episode. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll be downloading Audible, I'm sure. Uh-huh. I'm sure now, that, that since I've got that hour commute. There you go. So tell me how it ties. You said all these books tie together. Tell me about the second book. Yeah, so the second book is the most recent read for me, and it's called Off the Clock. It's by Laura Vanderkam. And the subtitle here is Feel Less Busy While Getting More Done. So it's kind of a time management productivity book. She is known for that. And I I just clicked on her her website, uh, the page for this book. And the author of the third book that we haven't talked about is actually quoted here about her book. So interesting how all these tie together. Very interesting and practical concepts here with Laura in this book. And the premise is that it feels really great to be off the clock, generally speaking, from work or whatever, which is when you don't have demands on your time and you can sit and think or participate in entertainment or whatever. And Naturally, if you do that only, then you probably will be lazy and won't get much done. And so there's, a, there's trade-offs and you can't have one without the other. You can't appreciate one without the other. But the thing that I really liked that she does and talks about a little bit in this book, she's got several books and the others I haven't read, which is she tracks her time every day and in about 30 minute increments. So she keeps a spreadsheet and has, you know, short codes and phrases and words that kind of detail what she was doing. And that just really appeals to me in a lot of ways. So Tommy, is the general premise around getting your mind off of work itself or is it more around productivity? I think it's a little bit of both. So what she found 
uh, you know, kind of the premise here is how to learn to savor life's best moments, right? What is essential. We talk about that. Mm-hmm. No matter how busy you are, and you accomplish that through these shifts in your mindset that ultimately alter your perception of the time that you're already spending and how you're spending it. So what she found was she had lots of people track their time the same way she does for a couple of weeks or longer. And what she found out was that the majority felt like they weren't getting enough sleep, but they actually were getting more than they thought. Or they felt like they were working a 50-hour week, but on average they weren't. Or the list goes on and on for all these activities in life that our mind kind of gets stuck on that one night we got five hours of sleep or that one week we worked 60 hours and we kind of feel like we're stuck there and that that's our frame of reference for everything. So it's like a budget with your money. If you can look and see where you spent your money, then you can make tweaks, start telling the money where to go, telling it to go different places. And it's the same way with your time. Either it enlightens you to the fact that you have more time than you think or that you're wasting it on non-essentials. So it really breaks it down. You know, when you start looking at, you know, there's 168 hours in every week, you know, not seven days, not five work days in a weekend, but 168 hours. And where are you currently spending that? Then you can make those tweaks and feel less stressed while getting more done because you're in control. And maybe that's why it appeals to me so much because I'm borderline control freak here if not full <laughs> on so <laughs> well and i can i can relate to this because i guess a, a small correlation here is the year and I've, i know we've talked about it before where i rode two million meters in rowing and felt like i was doing a lot of work but i ended up in the same exact place mm-hmm. as far as you know weight wise basically from when i started so essentially all that work I did did absolutely nothing, but really, when I look back at it, is you can't just go through the motions. You actually have to continue to push yourself. Yeah, that's true. And you know, in light of essentialism, it's it's all trade offs. And I think this really was a theme throughout that book. It, you know, if it's not a clear yes, then it's a clear no. And the reason that's true, or should be is because every time you say yes to a good opportunity, you're saying no to a great opportunity. And so, you know, she has some different tools to use for this. You know, if if somebody wants to book something with you two weeks from now, you're more inclined to say yes because it's two weeks from now. But a way to kind of clarify that is to say, would I change my schedule tomorrow to meet with this person or have this experience? And if the answer is no, then it'll probably be no in two weeks. So it's a way to just kind of weigh these trade-offs. And Mm -hmm. I'm happy to answer more questions about it, but there's three bullet points here I'm looking at. It says, goal is to teach how to clear your your calendar activities that are boring and stressful and not a good use of your time. So eliminate the non-essentials, right? And then tackling your top priorities during hours when you have the most energy. So you won't feel tired if you're trying to do these things. Not an equal correlation of hours in the day and productive output, right? There are times when you're more productive. It's just not that simple. You don't just work twice as hard or twice as long and get twice the performance. And then lastly is how to linger in great experiences while they're happening and why good memories seem to make time to expand. I said I was going to wrap up with those three on this, but there was something really cool that just came to mind where she was talking about how time seemed to go so slowly when you were young, like the years seemed really long. And then as we Mm -hmm. get older, time seems to speed up, but we all have the same 168 hours and et cetera, et cetera. And 
looking at some of the psychology of that, it was really cool to see that what happens is, and this is actually a good thing, is the mem- you really don't say, when you're saying you want more time, you're not really saying you want more time. You're saying you want more memories or more time to make memories because the memories are what make the time seem long. And so when you're in a, a different situation, like say a child that's learning, or if you're on a trip or you're in a, da- in a dangerous environment, your brain is alert because it doesn't know what to expect. And so that's why you can remember those things as they occur, the trip, the vacation, the hotel, the resort, the safari, the scary guy in the alley, you know, all these things, you know, as a child growing up, what it feels like to go down the slide, you know, et cetera. And so that makes time seem longer. But when you're in these routines of an hour commute, you mentioned it earlier, you would not want to remember the hour commute every day you made the hour commute. So your brain kind of stacks these together, kind of telescopes them into one event. And so that hour of your day is kind of lost in your, in your mind, which is a good thing because, you know, you don't want to remember that. It's not fun. Yeah. You know, we, as we get older, we have more and more of these routines. We're less and less stewardship minded with our time. And so we have all these, these routines that are mundane or are repetitive. They might be very useful, you know, cooking dinner driving to work, but they're not making these impacts in our brains that are causing these memories that make time seem long. And so we don't have a way to linger in that moment, savor the, the experience, but you should create this space to have to make memories and pay attention to them, be intentional and then, and then linger there. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting and that's an art of the book as well and how to create that and highly recommended. I'd like to read it again. I'd like to start with that one instead of Atomic Habits, but I'm already already one book in the hole, so I probably shouldn't. <laughs> I, should, I should do Atomic Habits first. You know, this might be an, more of an inspiring look, and then Atomic Habits could help you build a plan to do some of these things. Like, you know, hey, it sounds great to track my time, but if you don't build a habit, figure out how to mm-hmm. do that, then you won't actually do it. So I want to come back to that thought and talk about the the order that you would read these books in, but let's talk about the last book. Yeah. So the last one is digital minimalism. It's by Cal Newport. He's written a few other books that are notable, including one called deep work, which is pretty good. And uh, probably the one he's best known for interesting person. Uh, He is a younger fellow, but he has never had social media, any kind of social media, which kind of makes him easy to attack initially, but he's did a lot of study, a lot of research, and it's more of this approach of how to declutter your digital life. And I heard somebody say after I read this book that technology makes a great servant and a terrible master. And I think that would be how I'd summarize this book. It's kind of identifying how all of these tools that we should have are actually we're enslaved to, and they're stealing from us. They're stealing our time. And we talked about time being more valuable than money on a previous podcast. And we talked about having limited time, 168 hours a week, creating memories from the previous book. Time is the, th- is the key. And you're fighting extremely steep battle against all of these companies who are spending billions of dollars doing research and, you know, attention engineering and figuring out ways to keep you coming back, keep you swiping, keep you clicking. And it's, it's stealing from us and it's, it's worse than anything else, you know, it's ultra connectivity. It's in our pocket all the time. And there's simple things I never thought about, like you know, swiping down to refresh your mail or your Facebook feed or whatever is, you know, similar to pulling a lever on a slot machine. 
and you know oh that's interesting yeah. never never thought about it like that yeah and and uh, there's this breakdown of how facebook changed when it added the like button and that now you've got this random hit of dopamine where you're posting a comment or a picture and then checking for these random likes or comments these affirmations which is you know again there's lots of studies here we know going back to the casino where this random output of of winning is what keeps people going back and that's going on with those two and so it's a way to cut all of this out and then rebuild your digital life so that you're only using it as a tool and in a way that it serves you it's got lots of practical tips in there so that was really fascinating too and one that i'd like to get the physical book reread a little more slowly and then incorporate over time well you might you might call it accidental tommy but i don't i don't know if you recall but way back when tv started they used to call it television programming keyword programming and now you don't hear hear much about that anymore <laughs> but essentially that's what they're doing mm-hmm. right they're pro- here's here's when this is here's the time that this is here's this yeah so they're again like you said they're really attention hacking our minds and using psychology against us i've i've seen the interview from one of the guys who was early in the the days of facebook and so anyways long story short that's that's sounds really interesting so yeah we're in the we're in the business of essentialism here so <laughs> if you could only read one book out of all three of these which one would it be or I guess it would be which one would you start with first? Same kind of question. Mm, yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that, and you mentioned it a minute ago, so my wheels have kind of been turning a little bit. Uh, so the order I read them in was Atomic Habits, Digital Minimalism, and then Off the Clock. And now having read all of them, I think I would start with, oh, that's a tough one. I think I would start with Off the Clock. Okay. And then Digital Minimalism. And then atomic habits. So you you've got the groundwork to understand what it is you need to do, and then here's how you create the habit to do it. That makes yeah. Sense. So it's the off the clock kind of is the carrot, helps you gain perspective and realize what's going on, and then gives you some tips and tools. And then you know digital minimalism kind of elaborates on that and learn that th- these things are stealing your time, and you know you're serving them, not the other way around. So gives you some perspective and tools on how to tweak that and then you should be pretty far along then and atomic habits just kind of is the exclamation point that sets you up for long time success and that was something i heard the interview of atomic of the author of atomic habits james clear he's talking about people asking him you know was it 21 days to develop a new habit 40 days you know what's the the study what's the thought and he said it's your lifetime because the day you don't do it, it's the day there's not a habit there right and so right. kind of like essentialism, it's this disciplined pursuit of less. It's a constant journey. And so, yeah, I think Atomic Habits would be a great place to, to finish this, all tr- this whole train of thought, to learn how to keep doing this and lead to these small changes, le- these small changes leading to success over a long period of time. Well, and one last shameless plug, I guess, because <laughs> we're not getting, paid, not getting paid for no. it, but if you want to be able to read books or need extra time, if you've got a long commute, you're doing a long road trip, Amazon's Audible. This is where Tommy's uh, listening to most, most of these. I'm actually going to go download it here shortly. So that way you don't have to actually sit down and find the time. You can do it while you're sitting in traffic and create a little memories around those books, Yep, as that second author would say. Yep, for sure. Efficiency and productivity are two different things, and we want to be productive. And that is what this can allow you to do, is be productive with your time.
So great plug there, Matt. It helps me a lot. I really enjoy listening to the to the books and and podcasts. We don't want to don't want to have you turn off the podcast <laughs> here <laughs> to go listen to a book, but uh, podcasts are in that in that rotation for me too. Uh, maybe we can do a, a podcast on what podcasts we like one day too. Yeah. I like that idea. Very cool. Well, for now, I think that's enough. I enjoy talking about it and that's why we wanted to do it on the podcast. I don't have a lot of original thoughts and uh, get, get a lot of good information from people that are smarter than me in these different areas. So I'll share it with you if I get a chance. So glad you listened. I appreciate it. I would love to hear your feedback. If you read any, let us know. And I'm rambling now, so I'll wrap up and tell you guys that until next time, we appreciate you tuning in and keep it essential. Thanks for sticking around after the music here. And as always, we appreciate you tuning into the Essential Podcast. Just have a quick disclosure for you here. Securities are offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. And advisory services are offered through S.A. Stone Investment Advisors, Inc.